we got married in 1996, and on our wedding, as part of our wedding ceremony, Rochelle's um, uncle, Jean Beville, who, amazing man of God, apostolic, prophetic, planted churches, gave us a, an amazing prophetic word uh, about uh, miracles, signs, wonders, and reaching nations. And I don't know what you do when you get a prophetic word. We transcribed it, we wrote it down, and then we put it in a cupboard and never looked at it again. <laughs> because although in the moment it was so amazing to hear God say, this is what I want to do through you, when I personally looked inwards at myself, I thought there is no way he can do that in me. There's no way he could cause me to do those things, so I'm, I can't believe you. Although I never said that, because we never do, do we? <laughs> Eleven years later, because he's so kind and generous, he repeated the whole thing all over again through another prophet and then added more on top of it. And I remember that meeting and I went back and said, I won't miss it this time, God. I realised I'd missed it the first time. I'm not going to miss it this time. And I looked inwards and thought, I know what, I'm going to fix myself up because I'm not going to miss it this time. I'm going to be somebody who can walk in these things that you have promised and the things that you want to do. And I went back to work, but with urgency and diligence. And then I read a book by a man called John Wimber, who many of you will know John Wimber. He started the Vineyard Movement of Churches and was really renowned and famous for miracles and signs and wonders and healing. And I was reading this book and it said he had prayed for a thousand people and he had seen nobody healed. Nobody. And then it said, Jesus came to him one day and said this to John Wimber. Since you can do nothing, how much help do you need? And John Wimber said, I don't really understand the question. So we went back to work, trying again for another five years to see the miraculous, to see the healing, to see the wonders, to see the signs, to see the breakthroughs. And then Jesus came to him again and said and repeated to him, since you can do nothing, how much help do you need? And this time the penny dropped and he realised that the issue wasn't about being good, it was about being God's. And he realised the issue wasn't about pleading and begging it was about actually being still and being quiet and seeing the Holy Spirit give him desires for things and capacity for things that he hadn't previously had capacity or taste for or desire for. Wow. And then he said, Jesus told him, the kingdom of God is not something you do for me. The kingdom of heaven is something I do in you, then I do through you. Wow. I personally have been living with that page in a book now since 2007. That's 11 years. And Jesus says exactly the same thing 
in John's Gospel, in chapter 15 and verse 5. Jesus says, I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me, I in you, you will bear much fruit. You will walk in that prophetic calling. You will walk in that destiny. That You will walk in the things I've laid before you. And then he says, apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch thrown away and withers. And I think Jesus isn't really talking about salvation here because he says actually the word I've spoken to you, you are clean. Mm. He's just giving an illustration of what happens when a branch disconnects itself from a vine. When a branch disconnects itself or is chopped off a tree, it withers and dies. Actually, we had a huge oak tree pruned in our garden. It was, there's so much wood and that, those pieces of wood that are not connected to the trunk are rotting and they're dead. He's just saying that. Apart from me, you can do nothing. And Jesus, when he says nothing, he actually literally means nothing. See, that's my struggle. That was my struggle. Was that I believed that he gives the prophetic word, he gives the calling, and then you do it for him. But Jesus is saying, no, actually, you can do nothing. And he literally means nothing. And Jesus doesn't divide life into, these are the things that you can do, and these are the things that only you can do with me. And I think we think that. We think, okay, there's the, the secular, there's the normal everyday life. There's my job, there's my family, there's my marriage, there's my finances. I do all these things. And then there's the anointing, the miracles, the spiritual things, the fruit, the, the fruit of the Spirit, the gifts of the Spirit. Oh, those are the things we do together, aren't we? Aren't we, Jesus? We do those things. And actually, Jesus is it's the whole of life. It's the whole of life. And Hebrews 1 says he literally sustains the whole universe by the power of his word. So Jesus didn't just, he didn't just create the universe and the cosmos and everything around us and then step away and it kind of unworks itself out. He's sustaining it moment by moment by moment. The reason right now we're alive and we don't just fall into molecules on the floor and disappear is because he is actively sustaining us right now and, and he's doing that whether a person acknowledges him or not that, that's why men and women who don't know Jesus can actually do good things that's why you can see politicians and you can see scientists and inventors and artists and, and, and philanthropists who give away millions and do amazing work by common grace because he's sustained the whole universe by a man who is a CEO of Netflix has given away $200 million to education in America. He doesn't say he's necessarily inspired by the gospel or the kingdom or Jesus, but this common grace, this sustaining of the universe is going on all around us. That everything is sustained, everything is kept in motion by Jesus. You actually wake up and the sun comes up Amen. because of Jesus. Hallelujah. The sun's just perfectly positioned Amen. to not fry us and not freeze us. Amen. Because he designed it. It's all kept in motion by Jesus. And Jesus says, I want you to know about my identity. And he says, my identity is I am the vine. 
And so we often talk a lot here about what's our identity. We're sons and daughters. He's our father and we're sons and daughters. We're co-rulers. We're co-heirs. We're priests. We're kings. But the foundation of all identity is really knowing what's Jesus' identity. And Jesus says, this is who I am. This is my identity. I'm, I'm the vine. If you want to know who I am, I'm the vine. That all life, all strength, all resources, all capacity is flowing from me to you all the time. That's the identity statement of Jesus. That's who he says he is in this relationship. That's why John Wimber said, the central issue is not about being good, it's about being God. It's quite so fundamental because we think that to be a believer is about a life of doing. The good flows out of being and being flows out of the reality of who Jesus is and his identity. And Jesus says, I've chosen you to bear fruit. He says in 15 verse 16, you didn't choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. And so that whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give you. He repeats that in verse 8. So this is my Father's glory, that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. So Jesus is the initiator of everything. Jesus is the initiator of our introduction to him. You didn't even initiate your relationship with God yourself. I chose you. So Jesus is saying, these are are my identity statements. I'm the vine. I chose you. And I've determined that you bear much fruit. What a promise. That branches don't provide anything. Branches don't provide anything. You can chop the branches off a tree, off a vine, and the vine will still live, and the vine will still be fruitful, and the vine will still grow other branches. Branches don't provide anything. That's what Jesus wants us to know in this relationship. I'm the vine. I'm the source. I'm the supplier. I'm the giver of capacity, I'm the giver of life, not just for the things what we call spiritual, but for the whole of life. That's who I am. Your identity is that you are a branch. Your identity is that you get to display the fruit of connection. Life is coming from him to us. Our part is to display fruit. That's why Jesus says it's to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit. Fruit that lasts. Not fruit that kind of springs up and gets lost, but fruit that lasts. Fruit that remains. So that the world can look on and they can see the fruit of our connection and the fruit of our relationship. It's what we're learning to do, as Gary mentioned about Love Plumstead. We're learning to understand that we can prophesy over men and women 
who don't yet know Jesus. And we can say, he has a plan for you. He has a design he wants to call you back to. He has a life he designed you to walk in. That's why we want to go and pray for the sick and heal the sick and see the captive set free. So we're displaying the fruit of connection. We want to be displaying the fruit that we belong to him and his life is flowing into us. So everything begins with his initiative. Everything. See, sometimes we understand that the the, the life of the believer is this, that we're walking with Jesus and Jesus is, is pointing out where he wants us to change. And we're walking along and he says, I'm not happy with that, I want to change that. Or I'm not happy with this and I want you to change that. Or the idea that we live in this house and Jesus is kind of going from room to room doing a house clearance and we never feel we've quite arrived. Because we think, oh, here's another room where he wants to clear out and I've never quite made it and I'm never quite loved and I'm never quite accepted. I've actually preached that. That, that Christianity is like a house with a lot of rooms where he goes around and he spots different places and he's always telling us what we need to change. But actually these verses say it's not your job to fix yourself. Amen. That's right. It's not your job to fix yourself. You don't have the vitality, the strength, the capacity to fix you. The only thing we are is we are displayers of connection. That's all we are. We display that we belong, that we are connected, that we're intimate, that we're friends, that we're co-heirs, co-laborers, that we're brothers and sisters, sons and daughters. That's what we're displaying to the world. We're not displaying that we're really good at fixing ourselves. We're not displaying that we've just got better rules than anybody else. Sometimes that's the appeal of certain other religions, they say, here are the five tenets, the five rules, keep the five rules, and that's so appealing to people. Oh, I just do this, and I do this, and I do this, and I do this, and I keep all of those, and God is somehow happy with me. But if I don't do these, and these, and these, I then need to do this, and this, and this. But Jesus says, you can't do anything. Apart from me, you can do nothing, you can't even keep the rules. (laughs) It's not DIY morality. Have you seen DIY, you know? I hate DIY, I'm rubbish at DIY. (laughs) (laughs) I can't put up a shelf, I can't fix things. How many years did I waste trying to fix me? Jesus says, don't even lean on your own understanding. Don't even lean on your own conclusions. (laughs) It's not us modifying ourselves. Like white knuckles, I'm going to get it right, I'm going to do really well. That Jesus is the source of all life and Jesus is the source of all fruitfulness. All change, all transformation flows from him to us. I'm not saying that the Holy Spirit won't lead us into all truth. I'm not saying the Holy Spirit won't adjust us and won't point out where we need transformation and change but that is not where we spend the majority of our lives I have to say the majority of my faith had been in where do I need to change what do I need to adjust where do I need to be different now Jesus doesn't want that he wants the majority of our life 
the vast majority to be fixated upon the reality Amen. of who he is. Yeah. Yeah. He is the life giver and the vine. Yeah. Well, he says, my desire for you is not that you think about yourselves more, but you think about yourself less and think about me more. Yeah. And that's biblical human, uh, humility. So Jesus is describing the kind of attachment and relationship that we're invited to enjoy. Yeah. And he says this amazing thing. He says, he says, as the Father has loved me, so I've loved you, now remain in my love. Yes. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. Wow. So, joy is one of the fruit of Holy Spirit. Well, they're all expressions of love, so they're all one fruit, really. But God is really, really happy. Really, really joyful. He laughs at what his enemies are planning and what his enemies are saying. He's never perplexed. Never in a posture of, I don't know what to do. He's actually a joyful being. And Jesus is saying, you can enter into my joy. My joy can be in you. And it says that he was anointed with the oil of gladness above his companions, above those who are around him. Jesus is really joyful. Yeah, we don't get that from the movies, do we? Yeah. It's really serious. Such <laughs> how I like the shack because you get a, you get an insight into the joy of the Trinity, the pleasure of the Trinity. Like God is really joyful, and He says, "I'm inviting you into my joy." He is faithful. He won't let go. He always remains. And so there's this amazing flow, but then I think sometimes we get stuck here and we think, where's the joy? Where is the joy? Where's the fruit? And we can find ourselves being in a posture maybe where we're passive and we feel powerless. We can think, yeah, Jesus, you promised joy, you promised fruit, you promised that I would display connection. Where is it? And Jesus goes on in these verses to undermine the whole idea that we are passive and that we are powerless in this relationship. And so he asks us a genuine question. Now remain in my love. It's a genuine invitation, remain in my love. It's a genuine invitation to obey his commands. That God will not control you. He will not control me. That God, although he is the most powerful being in the universe, will not employ control to get us to even embrace a thing that will do us good. And we know that from Genesis. We know that he gave them genuine choices. He gave them the choice between the tree He said, you can eat of this fruit, but you can't eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, but you can eat from the tree of life. He gave them a genuine choice, and they were tricked and lied to by the cunningness, it says, of of Satan. But they had a genuine choice. So he says, I've chosen you. Our part is, do we choose him back? 
Do we choose him back? That's a genuine choice. Every single day we wake up, we are faced with a genuine choice. I'm not saying this is a choice between are you saved or aren't you saved? Because Jesus says my part of the deal is settled. Mm. I choose you. So he doesn't say, now I'm waiting to see if you choose me back, and if you don't choose me back or remain in my love or obey my commands, I'm going to change my original choice. He says, I choose you. That's settled. Mm. That's steadfastly settled in the heart of God. He will not renounce or change his mind about the choice of you. But we have a choice of, will I choose you back today? Mm. Will I choose you back Today, Will I choose you in this moment? Will I choose connection with you when we get that phone call that disturbs us and we lose our peace? Will I come back and choose you again, Prince of Peace? Or will I choose you when that bill comes through and anxiety comes knocking or fear comes knocking or I'm reminded of the past or there's shame or guilt or fear or condemnation? Will I disconnect from you and will I go back to work on myself again? Or will I remain recognising you are the vine and I'm the branch? See, he, he won't control us. He won't control us. And so we're invited to want and we're invited to desire connection. If you remain in me, remaining, abiding, resting, trusting, delighting, making our home in him, Choosing and prioritising relationship over absolutely everything. They're choices that we get to make and make and make again and again and again. And sometimes we, we're waiting for God to bring the suddenly, and he does. <laughs> he does bring the sudden breakthrough. He does bring the sudden encounter. But even in the sudden encounter, there's still a choice. Do I choose to trust you? Will I believe that you are good in this. That absolutely everything boils down to a really simple equation. We can do nothing. He's the vine. He wants us to be fruitful, and fruit is a byproduct of relationship. And our part is to choose to rest, to abide, to stay in love, to make a home with Him. And, and if, it, if, that, if our part was boiled down to one word, it would be, I choose to trust you. Amen. Absolutely everything comes down to being a believer. <coughs> the whole journey with God is him faithfully, patiently, in kindness, convincing us in area after area after area, I am trustworthy, I am reliable, I am dependable. That's all. He's always doing that. He's bringing us to the place of faith. He's bringing us to the place of confidence. He's bringing us to the place of rest. And rest is, is birthed in a moment of trust. It's a decisive moment where we see who he is. And we see who he promises to be. And we say over specific things, I choose to trust you in this. It's a decisive categorical moment where we say I choose to no longer worry about that I choose to no longer depend on myself for that 
I choose to no longer be anxious or fearful or self-reliant. I choose to trust you in that. And it's when we, we give it to him that rest comes. And sometimes we say, I'm not, I'm not enjoying fruit of connection. I'm not, I'm not enjoying rest. I'm not enjoying peace. And sometimes it's because you and I have handed it to him and then took it back. And real peace and rest comes in the moment where we say, I choose to not take this back. And sometimes we have to repeat that again and again and again. Life is flowing from his side all the time. But we get to choose. Do we want it to impact our life? Do I want to live relationally dependent and trusting? I want to end with this. That Christianity is not about the theory of a relationship. It's not just about reading all the life of Jesus and knowing his life forwards and backwards and knowing the significance of all the events. It's not the analysis of connection, kind of theoretical thing, but it's actually the enjoyment of it. It's a movie that we watched about two months ago that one particular scene had a really profound effect on me. And it's a film called Denial. And it's a story of a woman who is taken to court because she wrote in a book uh, that, that, going back, there was a, the story is essentially a man who wrote that the Holocaust didn't happen. A historian wrote this book, he said the Holocaust never happened and seven million Jews didn't really, di- really die. And this woman writes in a book, she just says about this writer, says he's essentially he's a crazy fool. Hmm. There's so much historical evidence and he takes her to court. And she wants to defend herself. She wants to stand up in the courtroom and, as it were, look the devil in the eye and speak. And say, you're a fool, you're a buffoon, buffoon. It happened. You can't deny it. And her lawyer says, you need to ideally stay seated, button your lip, an act of self-denial. And she says, but I've never trusted anyone since I was a child. Mm. And she's anxious and restless and disturbed. And she says, all I have is my conscience and my voice. And I have to listen to them. And his answer is, you need essentially to trust me to stand in that courtroom on your behalf and speak in such a way that we are going to win this. And the movie is this scene where she goes from anxiety and turmoil and trouble. I've never trusted anyone since I was a child. I've never trusted anyone to do anything on my behalf. And she wrestles and she's angry. She's frustrated. And then she looks him in the eye 
And she says, I'm going to do what I thought I would never do. And she says, I'm going to trust this Scottish, wine-drinking, fly-fishing man. (laughs) And this smile of relief comes over her face as she has made the decision to trust another, to do something on her behalf, to fight for her, to speak for her, to win for her. Something she thought she would never do. The movie goes on, and I won't give you too many spoilers. (laughs) It's not necessarily a smooth ride even after that. But she has to remain in the settled position. Stay seated. Button your lip. An act of self-denial. And that's who Jesus is for us. And we can say, but I've never trusted anybody since I was a child to do anything on my behalf. I'm nothing if I don't have my voice. And I'm nothing if I don't have my fight. And I'm nothing if I don't have control. And then we're restless and in turmoil or struggling. But peace is in the moment where we say, choose to trust you, Jesus of Nazareth. The carpenter, the God-man who died for me, rose again, interceding on my behalf. And I choose to remain seated, to button my lip, an act of self-denial. And then we find the joy and the peace and the rest. It's always flowing from him. We start to tap into him. No longer trying to win for myself. No longer depending just on my capacity to lead, guide, protect and keep myself on track. I'm at peace because of who he is. The vine who wants me to be fruitful. I'm no longer striving to make it happen, to be good. I'm just happy that I'm God's. And then the rest and the peace and the joy and the comfort start to flow. And like in the movie, that initial, that decision that she makes gets challenged and threatened and it looks like a crazy choice. But in the courtroom, she stays seated. She doesn't say a word, although you can see in the movie she wants to speak. She self-denies. It's felt that if I wasn't standing, I would want to stand. Just feel there's an opportunity if you would like to. just going to invite those who would say, Jesus, I want to connect in a way, not that I haven't connected. He's not saying you've done anything wrong or you've been disappearing. And He's just saying, we're saying in this moment, Jesus, I want to connect to you in, in my conscious mind of what's already true. You're already the vine, I'm already a branch. I'm not making that happen right now, but I'm consciously recognising that all of life flows from you to me. And we're consciously saying, I guess what we're saying is, like in that movie, it's a moment where in a sense we're saying, Jesus, from now on, on certain issues, I'm button it. I'm going to stay seated, I'm button it. There's an act of self-denial. I'm trusting this Jesus from Nazareth, the God-man, the carpenter, Joseph's son, Fully God, fully man who died for me and now is 
ascended and praying for you. I'm trusting mm. you. And we're not saying, well, I haven't trusted you before. We're saying, I'm coming to you right now. Yeah. So I just want to invite, if you just feel, actually, I want to come to him right now. I want to, maybe it's, it's trusting him for specific things. Maybe it's a general sense, I want to encounter and connect to you on a deeper level. Maybe it's, I'm just acknowledging you're the vine and I'm a branch. I'm just going to invite those who feel just to stand now, if that's, if that's you, and just want to come to, come to Jesus and... Yeah, Jesus, you see our posture. You see that we are coming to you and saying everything begins and is sustained by your initiative, Jesus. And that for some of us, we choose right now to lay down, trying to fix ourselves. We lay down DIY morality and self-modification. We lay down white knuckles. And for some of us, it might be I'm laying down my argument with life. I'm choosing to trust you. Even in this moment, maybe we are those who say, oh, do you know what, I've, I've, I've never had anybody do anything on my behalf all my life, but I'm trusting you, Jesus, to work and to speak and to act on my behalf. I thank you that you won't control me. I, I just choose you back. I thank you that you'll never renounce choosing us. And we, in this moment, as we stand, we choose to choose you back, Jesus. We say we want to enjoy actual enjoyment of this wonderful, deep, intimate connection with God who speaks and we hear. And we say, Holy Spirit, even now, ears are being unstopped where you thought, I can't hear his voice. And you're going to hear in ways that are going to surprise you because that's part of the fruit of this relationship of intimacy. He speaks and we hear. Yeah. And, and for some of you, just a, a, a rest is coming, and a coming into a place of rest like you've never known before, and even a place of joy. And God just says over specific things, lay down your argument with life, lay down the feeling, I've got to protect myself, I've got to make it happen, I've got to open that door, I've got to make a way where there is no way. And he just says, no, let me open that door, let me make it for you, let me make a way where there is no way, let me part things where they've not been parted before, even over jobs that you've thought, I can never get into that job and I've tried everything. He just says, in a sense, sit down, button your lip, act of self-denial, let me make a way where there hasn't been a way. And so Jesus, we say, we release joy and we release coming into the joy of heaven, into the complete joy of who you are, the rest of God. We thank you that faith and rest are together. We thank you as we trust you, or maybe on specific things, or trust you to meet the desires of our heart, whether it's for significance, or to be seen, or to be recognized, or to feel safe. We look to you, Jesus, to make all those things flow, and we enter into rest, we enter into peace. And we say, like Hebrews says, if you hear his voice, don't harden your hearts. That's what we do, we're just standing, so we're not hardening our hearts, we just recognize you are God. We recognize all life flows from you. We recognize today is a gift of heaven, a gift of God. We recognize tomorrow will be a gift, this afternoon will be a gift. 
And we want to enjoy actual connection to God. We are going to enjoy breakfasts with you, Jesus. We're just saying we're falling in love all over again. We're going to sneak into the toilets at work just to have a chat and just to be with you. We're going to steal away time with you, Jesus, just to connect and to enjoy and to recognize all life flows from you. We're going to hear you laugh. We're going to see your smile. We're going to come to you for wisdom. We're going to get your perspective much more often than we've done before. We're not going to be satisfied unless today has been a day of I'm connecting to you. I'm choosing you back. So we say again, Jesus, thank you for choosing us. Thank you, you choose us. And we just say, Jesus, we choose you in return. We choose you in return. And we just say, let the creativity of heaven shape how that connection works for you. There are hundreds of ways to connect to Jesus. It's going to be unique and specific to individuals. It could be a walk in the country for some. It can be a trip to the city for others. It can be journaling. It can be art. It can be listening to music. It can be a myriad of different ways because it's your relationship and your friendship. The only thing that really matters is, is connecting to him. It can be listening to the Bible on an audio app. It can be a whole host of different ways that you connect to who he is and his word to you. So we say be creative, be released to be you. The most important thing is am I connecting to Jesus? And you'll know if you're connecting to Jesus because his voice will be full of life, full of hope, full of joy, full of rest, full of peace, full of affirmation, full of confirmation. It won't be, it won't it will not be condemnation. Mm, yes. It will be full of joy. He has not given you a spirit of fear. Mm. So you know if it's fear-based, it's not his voice. Mm. So be creative and connect to God. Mm. Amen. 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 Amen.